comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Now with that fresh asbestos smell. And welcome to episode 514 of Half Hour Wasted. Uh, this, is, this is Brad. This is your friend Frank. Yeah, I'm just getting my mic on. I was enjoying some delicious almonds there. And that was Bill. <laughs> hey, Brad, it sure was exciting when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. I know, I couldn't believe that time that um, Ron Gronkowski. Made that awesome catch. Right. That hey, pass Bill. happened. Bill, what was your favorite commercial? Oh, I would say it was definitely the John Cena Mountain Dew commercial. Oh, I mean, that that, was... really, honestly, uh, I, don't, I don't think the Super Bowl was prepared to see uh, that, right? I mean, right. you're with me, <laughs> you know, you're with me, right? Did you guys catch the cutaway uh, of the cardboard cutouts of random people? In the audience, oh, oh my yeah! God. When they when they cut away to cardboard cutouts of random people, that was pretty. That was awesome. Yeah. Very that unexpected. Was awesome. <clears throat> Super cool. Man. How about that halftime well, we, show? That halftime show was pretty incredible, especially when all those dudes on the football field had bandages on their faces that doubled as face masks. What a performance! And that was, that, was yeah. a, the, the dancing that they were doing. Oh yeah! Oh, that was stunning. Oh my gosh, the choreography was just amazing. Yeah, pretty, pretty. And incredible. I and I think the the TV network that aired it, CBS, did a great job. <laughs> yeah, top top notch, top notch production on that show. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, I think we're going to be talking about this Tom Brady win for a long, long time, boys. Yeah. But you know what? I, I, I was excited for everyone there because the weather was pleasant enough. And everyone seemed to react to that. <laughs> Agreed, I guess. Yeah. But we did miss uh we did miss the fact that the uh they didn't get to shoot the cannons off uh for Tampa Bay because even though they're playing at home for the first time ever, uh they made the uh decision that they would not get to have all their home uh, accoutrement like their own particular fireworks, their 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 cannon, uh, this and that. So, um, you know, all right, Bill, you, you lost it. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump in to the uh, matter at hand, I would like to introduce a new segment on the show. It's called <gasps> Google Headlines from Brad's phone. Oh my god! And it's this is how the segment's going to work. 
I open up the Google app on my phone, mm. and I simply read a headline from the phone. End of segment. No discussion. No what ifs. No po- positing. It's just it. I just read a right. headline and then we move on. Well, I'm not sure I agree with the whole no analysis bit, but yeah, yeah okay, well, all right. I know that's why I'm right. in, I'm I'm setting the rules ahead of time. It's, this doesn't really fit my uh, my my motive. This is uh, my segment. Operandus. This is my yeah, segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Google headlines. We need from... to build up. Wait. We we need we need the theme song. Uh, well, you we need to do like the the 1940s newsreel guy. You know. Okay. Ready. Dateline Wall Street. Very good. Very good. This is how we'll do it. Do the dee 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 part. Okay, I got it. Ready? Three, two, one. Dee 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 dee. This just in: Harvard astronomer argues that alien vessel paid us a visit. Dee 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 dee. Okay. Now, Mandalorian. Let me start the music. Let's talk about the alien. This oh my gosh. Chapter 13 The Jedi, written by Dave Filoni and directed by Dave Filoni, who you know, should have been nobody else other than this guy for this particular Agreed. episode. The Mandalorian and the child arrive at the city of Caladan on the planet Corvus to find the population living in fear of the city's magistrate, Morgan Elsbeth, and her guards including a hired mercenary named Lang. Elsbeth offers to give the Mandalorian a spear of Beskar steel in exchange for killing Ahsoka. The Mandalorian finds Ahsoka outside the town and presents a child to her. Using the Force, Ahsoka determines that the child's name is Grogu and that he had been training as a Jedi before the rise of the Empire. She agrees to continue his training if the Mandalorian helps defeat Elsbeth. They overpower the guards, free the citizens, and the Mandalorian kills Lang. Ahsoka confronts Elsbeth and demands to know the whereabouts of her master, Grand Admiral Thrawn. <gasps> Goosebumps, man. Afterwards, Ahsoka refuses to train Grogu due to his close attachment to the Mandalorian. Instead, she directs them to an ancient temple on the planet Tython, where Grogu can use the Force to find other Jedi and decide his own fate. She also gives the spear to the Mandalorian. Holy crap, this episode! Great episode. <clears throat> mm. the, uh, the opening sequence where Ahsoka is, like, playing cat and mouse in the, in the um, woods... You know, they're banging the gong and she's playing cat and mouse with these guards and she disappears and appears only to disappear so. We are recording. Okay, guys, so this happened. <laughs> we just spent 20 minutes talking about the episode and I looked over at the recording and happened to notice on the Zoom recorder that it said card full. So I conducted an investigation, and it turns out the recording stopped immediately after I read the summary. Well, you know that because this strange thing is happening right after the summary. So my point is we've been talking for 20 minutes about the episode, 
It was gold, wasn't it, fellas? Well, I will say there was about 10 minutes to talk about Rebels. Yeah. Where Bill should watch. Yeah, so that's true. This is true. Maybe we didn't lose a whole bunch. Right, right. (laughs) I'll summarize this. I'll summarize. We can summarize that in like 30 seconds. All right, do it, Brad. Go. Well, hang on. So I had just finished reading this summary. And then, of course, we get the great opening sequence of Ahsoka appearing and disappearing in the fog with the uh, with the turning on and off of the lightsabers and she's cutting guys down and we see the magistrate's right-hand man up at the top you guys know who the right-hand man is we talked about it 20 minutes ago yeah that's right christmas michael bean the great michael bean we can't spoil a surprise for frank again but uh, (laughs) we can re-mention that uh, Michael Bean has now uh, hit a trifecta of sorts. Uh, Michael Bean has had uh, has had a, a significant speaking role in the Terminator franchise uh, and the Alien franchise, as well as now the Star Wars franchise. That's uh, uh, I gotta say, if you're looking to uh, extend your uh, uh, extend your life at uh, Comic Cons and stuff, uh, I don't think he is ever gonna have to uh, buy his own beer again. I'll just yeah. say that. Kyle Reese uh, he, his, from the yeah, Terminator. His portrayal is so good, too. Just the way he, he plays that character. So bravo to that. Oh, yes. It's so sneering and so henchman and yeah. so mercenary. And uh, it is even the, the, the first time you see him uh, up on top of the, uh, the battlement or whatever we want to call that uh, as uh, Mando is approaching the city. Uh, even Even the first time you see him, he's standing kind of half turned away from the camera looking over his shoulder in a very evil way and yes it's all just evil. yes michael bean uh, he is clearly he has clearly done the work he has done the due diligence and the, and the backstory and he knows who this character is and how evil he is so yes he, he of course was corporal hicks in aliens yes <clears throat> and i had mentioned that i never once gave a second thought to white lightsabers um, we did see white lightsabers in uh, Rebels when Ahsoka Tano appeared with white lightsabers, but seeing them in live action is pretty sweet. They look very cool. They look very yeah, cool. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of pointed as well. Yeah, she's got the the long lightsaber and the short lightsaber. In Clone Wars, she had a long green and a short yellow. I think uh, in season yep. seven, Anakin had uh, given them back to her. Uh, then he had changed them to both blue, and then in Rebels, they appeared as white. And that backstory happens in the book called Ahsoka, which takes place about three months after Order 66. So read that if you want the backstory as to why they are white. Now, uh, Ahsoka in uh, uh, in Rebels, um, I or uh, Rebels uh, Clone Wars, I thought one of the coolest things about her character was the fact that she did have two different lightsabers in different lengths. She had, she had kind of long swingy and a little stabby. Yeah. And, um, I just, I thought that was really cool. Now I could be wrong and I'm willing, I'm willing to be wrong, but I thought that, uh, her lightsabers were of a similar length, uh, in, uh, tonight's, uh, episode of the Mandalorian. So I'm willing to be wrong, but yeah, they uh, are. I'm looking at them right now. They're okay. one slightly shorter. Um, but they okay okay one was slightly shorter so it's just yeah. it's not as exaggerated as it used to be right i mean you know it's exaggerated in the in the animated cartoons but um okay and uh 
We had also in our snafu, we had talked about how great Rosario Dawson is. As the way they had her depicted at the beginning of the show, uh, the way she was kind of swo- swooping in and you couldn't see anything, but you know, she was just a yeah. swoosh. She was always yeah. fighting. So good. Just uh, building up expectations. Remind me, do we see her face at the beginning? When do we first see her face? Is it is that at the beginning of the episode? Yeah, um, yeah, because she comes up and um, and knocks down everybody, and she looks up and she literally walks right up below the where the magistrate and Michael Bean are standing, and we see her face and she talks and she says, "You've got one day to yeah, get your yeah. stuff together, and then yeah. I'm going to come back." Yeah, so we see her right off the bat. They didn't waste any time. They didn't. They didn't mystery. You know, this whole bit, they just said, here's Ahsoka. We know you've been waiting. Let's get it over with. Let's show you how (laughs) awesome she is. And this is what she looks like, and this is what she can do. And you're in for a ride. The the relationship between her and Mando, especially after they do their their first meetup, and they talk about Groku and stuff like that. Remind me, when does he mention to Ahsoka that uh, he was paid, he was hired to bring her in? That's a that's brought up much later, isn't it? Yeah, this is after all the training, the attempt at training of Grogu and 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 bringing the stone back and forth, and oh, he won't do it here. You try it. Use the silver ball and. Oh, dang, Farrick. You know, he does all that. Grogu does it. And then she goes, uh, I can't train him, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, um, she hired me to kill you. And the, she won't expect a Jedi and a, and a Mandalorian to team up. <laughs> you know, so it was that. It was after all the training and stuff. So she, he had spent a lot of time with her. If he was going to kill her, he had had plenty of time to do it. Right. So when she realizes that he didn't, even though he was contracted to kill her. You know, I suppose that let her trust him and team up with her, with him to go uh, free the town from the, from the rule of this awful woman. Right. And when they, and when they meet up, uh, they, they do have a confrontation, but remind me, or how did you guys interpret it? Is he just protecting himself or is he trying to, to to capture Ahsoka. No, he's trying to find the Jedi that Bo-Katan sent him to this planet for. Bill, what did you call it when we first recorded this, their first meeting? Oh, I just I thought it was just a, a beautiful comic book trope moment where yeah. uh, the 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 two superheroes come together and invariably they have to duke it out first, you know, for the enjoyment of the audience, but it's all a misunderstanding, so That'll last for you know half an issue, and then they'll realize it was a misunderstanding, and they'll be friends again, and then they can get on with it. Yeah, but you, you use that moment to kind of just fan service the the heck out of the audience and yeah. give them that that sweet that sweet little moment of these two uh, these two characters fighting each other. That's you know, the Captain dudes. America Iron Man Thor moment. Yes, from, yes. From you know the first Avengers movie. Yep, fantastic uh, analogy there. And then he's uh, like, hang on, dude, I just want to talk. Bo-Katan, your buddy, sent me. And then she's right. like, oh, it must be about that little guy behind you sitting on the rock. 
Right, but but not until uh, but not until she she attacks with double lightsabers. He repels them with his Beskar uh, uh, forearms. Uh, then he blasts her with a flamethrower and does the Batman thing with the retractable you know wire. And he you know he ends up binding her with it. She jumps over a tree, pulls him up. He has to detach, and you know, and finally he's like, hey, 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 yeah. you know, I was sitting here by Bo-Katan. and she's like, oh. Oh well, that's different. Yeah. And then they and then they have uh, then they have some pork and beans together. This is when we find out. Then it cuts to the nighttime where uh, the child and Ahsoka are talking and bonding. Well, they're not talking; they're looking at each other. Right. And then she picks him up and brings him over to Mando. And she. This is when she, he finds out that the child's name is Grogu. Oh, what did you guys think of that name? At first, um, I think my first reaction literally was Grogu. <laughs> I, but but then I thought, well, what did you expect, Brad? What did you expect? Did you expect? What are you showing me? <laughs> okay. What are you showing Bill, me? Can you, Bill, can you see that? It just what went away. <laughs> okay. You you must so, have screenshotted something and sent right. it to us. Right. What is this? So, Brad, so real oh, quick. Oh, nice. I just full screened it. Very good. You've been doing some photoshopping while we were talking, uh, it looks no, like. I need to I see it again. So for our audience, really quick, uh, while Brad was, so I have my Wikipedia page open to that episode. I lined, uh, as I scrolled up and down, my Skype window was right on type of, of Ahsoka, and Brad happened to be lined up right to it. And so his head and shoulders are right where Ahsoka's head and shoulders are. And from shoulders down is Ahsoka's body. I'm going to tweet just that photo up. out on the half hour wasted Twitter. <laughs> okay. It's that's what I'm going Milo. Yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. I forgot what I was just talking about. I'm sorry, Brad. No, no, no. You were, it was funny. You were asking, that's you're asking funny. what we thought about the name Grogu. Oh, and then I asked myself, well, what did I expect you know my right, first reaction exactly. was are you kidding me and then i was like but what did you expect i suppose well, it's then, it's fine it's two syllables yoda was two syllables yeah. what did yeah, i want and that's, yeah, that's did i expect a y name yeah. like yaddle yuck it's a terrible or name Tom? yoda's a good name How dave about fuel dave <laughs> like here fuel. yeah but agamemnon <laughs> doesn't really roll off the tongue That'll be the name on next hamster, by the or, way. Uh, or um, George Lucas. Yeah. Jorge uh, Lucas. It's funny, uh, though, when Mando says his name out loud, says Grogu out loud, Grogu turns. Huh? Like, he, you know, like he hears his name. like, And he, he was still farting a lot in this episode, I think. I, I got to say, um, I, I know it's, a, it's so weird because the second I heard the name, I thought to myself, well, it's a moot point now, you know, regardless, you know, no matter what I think of the name, it's the name. And yeah. so I can either just live with it or I can, I can go to fanboy, fanboy purgatory or something. But, um, I gotta tell you, if you repeat this, I'll have to deny it, but I kind of hate the name. Even still after being used to it. I really do. It's just, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know the, the aesthetics of the name. Uh, are, are just just nails on a chalkboard to me. Um, I just it doesn't roll off the tongue well. Um, it doesn't. Uh, um, yeah, I just I think it's a, it's an ugly name. 
and I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't like even know it. why it I feels think that. Star Warsy to me. It doesn't it does. feel out of place. It does. A lot of people think Bill is a boring generic name, so it it's is yours. It is. Well, that's why yeah. I go by the voice most of the yeah. time, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so, yeah, so I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be a prisoner uh, at that, uh, that that this evil compound that uh, that he walks into. It's pretty surprising too that he that uh, the Mandalorian just walks right into that compound after seeing all those uh, those poor people in the the uh, the Star Wars version of the agony booth right outside the front gates. Oh yeah, that's actually that's... a callback to Rebels too. Is it because uh, they use those they use those devices in Rebels? And I'm we also see that's a... one of those because they're, they're they're standing on kind of on kind of pikes. You know, they're 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 raised up off the the, the ground level. And they look like, or otherwise, they're not necessarily being being uh, hurt or anything, but they're standing within these rings that are clearly electrified or something. And so my guess is that if you can stand up perfectly straight, you're fine. But the second you start slumping, like your your head bumps up against one of those, and it goes, and then you're like, ow! And yeah. Then, you know, yeah, and then I wondered how that works. And then your butt, then your butt kind of touches the middle one. You're like, ow! And then it just. Yeah. It's a whole chain reaction that probably isn't pleasant in any way. Frank, you mentioned rebels. We also see the um, one of those little animals that we that was, meerkats. We, is that what they're called? No, that's an actual thing that exists oh, on our yeah. planet. That is the IRL um, thing. But uh, <laughs> no, next you're going to tell me wolverines are real. Yeah. It was one of those things that look like a fox with the long tail and the big ears and the round They're head. Something, cat. Yeah. but they it they had one of these that they first shown us on the Rebels cartoon. Um, I know we, I I don't remember if we harped on this now in the retape and take two of this or if, I know we did in the first one, but I just have to say again that I think Rosario Dawson did a, a great job. I believe her as Ahsoka. She's the perfect age. You know, Ahsoka at this point in the timeline would be approximately 40 years old because she was 15 in in uh, the Clone Wars. A lot of time has happened, you know. She's approximately 40, and Rosario Dawson is approximately 40. You know, she, I think it's perfect uh, casting as far as the age of the actress playing this part, and, and I just think she did a great job altogether. I do wish that uh, during her fight with the magistrate that she had not lost a saber because she's better than that. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. Maybe she um, was overconfident. Possibly. I mean, that that is one of her faults, uh, at least uh, early on. You know, she was she was a lot like Anakin, where she just kind of jumped into danger without thinking about the the this outcomes. But. But uh, we we get a uh, we get a huge teaser at the very end of this episode, like almost the final line. Oh yeah, when she finally gets face to face with the magistrate. Mm -hmm. Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? This is the first <sighs> on screen, not in a form of literature, but on screen visual medium, out loud mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn, which of course was first created by Timothy Zahn, who wrote the amazing Heir to the Empire trilogy back in the late 90s, which is now considered Legends, but 
fandom loved him so much, and obviously John Favreau and Dave Filoni loved him so much that they brought, uh, well, Dave Filoni brought him back in um, in the Rebels cartoon, put him uh, actually in canon, back in canon, which is so great. Did yeah. you happen to read the Thrawn novel? Brad? The 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 new Thrawn trilogy you, written by Timothy Zahn? Yes, I did. That takes I only place did the in, first one. It takes place in current Disney canon. I did read it, and I have book one of the prequel trilogy that I have not read yet. That um, the Thrawn prequel trilogy that explains how he got to where he is when we first see him in that first book of the Thrawn trilogy that you mentioned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a very great, he's an interesting, great character. Um, he has a great backstory and, uh, uh, he, uh, I hope they, I hope they bring him. In fact, maybe that's what Mandalorian season three will be about. Well, I think, I think it will be. I mean, this is okay. So at the end of rebels, <clears throat> Ahsoka Tano and, another character left pursuing grad grand admiral thrawn because he had another character from rebels in his custody and so they were searching okay. him out and so it's been apparently she's been searching him for what 8 years now maybe Golly. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, if you think about when Rebels... Yes, quit asking me if I'm recording. This is the third time you're asking me if I'm recording. <laughs> I'm asking just so we don't have another Meltdown? Problem. I had a meltdown off camera, basically. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I basically just, just want you, Brad, to... I'm trying to ask every five or ten minutes just so you can look yes, and I, so we don't get lost. Thank you, and I love you for that. Yes, You're going to get that question a couple more times. I'm recording. I am recording. Solid red light. <laughs> uh, um, shoot, what were we talking about? Thrawn? Thrawn, uh, Thrawn yeah. And um, She was looking for him for eight years. Approximately. If you think about when Rebels took place at the end of Rebels, and then, uh, you know, now Mandalorian is five years after Jedi. So, yeah, she's been looking for Thrawn for a long time. So, anyway, um, yeah, this, what is there not to love about this episode? Uh, really nothing. Um, we, uh, we see an incredibly, uh, cute, quiet, important moment, uh, with Ahsoka and Grogu, um, that we have kind of been waiting for. It was, it was almost, a. A payoff to the the uh, the relative pain uh, that we've gone through over the last uh, season. Now, you know, trying to get to this point where he's finally, you know, the Mandalorian has finally kind of achieved his purpose. He has found a safe place for Grogu. Um, he's found one of Grogu's people, uh, or well, a fellow Jedi, obviously. Um, you know, for the first time, and uh, I just I just think it's a really a really clever moment. Um, again, done so darn well. Specifically when? Uh, the, uh, where she, uh, Ahsoka Tano, um, decides to, you know, kind of mind meld with them yeah. and try to figure out, you know, what's going on. Yeah. 
uh, where he literally says Grogu and I can feel each other's thoughts. The Mandalorian says Grogu. And that's where you reference, you know, baby Yoda turns around and looks at him. And then, and then uh, his eyes kind of, his eyes kind of half close and he looks very wise for a moment or two. And you think, oh, wow. So this is a creature that's actually, you know, older than a lot of old humans. And then the Mandalorian again goes, Grogu. And baby Yoda goes, er, again. And then that moment is, that, that, that moment is kind of popped. Yeah. And uh, it goes back to being uh, a something different, but um, it just—it's it, amazing the way that the the physical acting, starting with the Mandalorian, who you know doesn't talk and you know rarely removes his helmet, you know, to go from the physical acting required to emote in a costume where you can't see a face, down to—I don't know how the the Lucasfilm wizards of CG make you know baby yoda grogu uh look like he's really truly there you know they've finally puppet. well yeah some of them is a puppet and some of it's cg and some of it's just a, a sack you know hanging on to uh, the mandalorian's hip and so they're they're doing all of it in fact there's a, a part uh speaking of cg when tano ahsoka tano first shows up at the end of the teaser and she's talking to the magistrate, and there's there's uh, evil Michael Bean um, doing the doing the the arms crossed, you know, sideways look. Um, and she is lit so well, or something that she, it it almost looks like she is CG'd into that scene, and it's just it's amazing that we've been waiting for this for twenty something years now, and I think we're we're right on the edge of CG that is almost indistinguishable from real life. And that is not going to be a, a good thing for humans living on this planet, but it's a great thing for the Mandalore. Well, we're there with because, those deep fake videos. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, but, you know, CGI has never been able to truly capture, you know, even in Rogue One, sorry to bring that up, but, you know, I, I had never bought the fact that, you know, uh, Moff Tarkin and Leia were actual, you know, physical creatures on set. Right. You know, you know, it didn't take away from the movie for me, but I never once thought, oh wow, there's there's an actual person there just so happens to look like Grand Moff Tarkin. No, it's like, well, that's clearly CG, and they're clearly interacting with this CG entity and uh, whatever. Well, um, you know, they're they're finally getting there. And uh, when we talk about the final episode of season two of The Mandalorian, we'll talk about how I think that that technology has possibly truly arrived. Because um, uh, even if I'm even if I'm right or wrong, and Ahsoka Tano was CG for that first scene, which I doubt, I think it was just uh, very carefully crafted lighting and makeup and, and post production, and you know, that must be a signal for me to shut up. What must be? I don't know. Was that music? It's, it's, it it oh, feels music. like it just feels like some kind of soundtrack to hell has just Sorry. opened up behind the sofa. It's okay. I was like, is that a signal to me? This is actually uh, this is actually music from either this episode or next episode. I'm trying to. Okay. No, this is uh, no, this is from the next episode. This track oh, is well, called Troopers, case, which in that case, forget it. Yeah, which we find. Which I know. We're talk about soon. Okay, um, 
I know that we talked in depth for 20 minutes and then it disappeared into the ether. So if it feels like we kind of glossed over some things on this episode, uh, you'll have to forgive us. But Well, to me, this feels like it was the first, and I hate to use this term. There's a better term for it out the ether somewhere. But um, this feels like the first really important episode of The Mandalorian that we've gotten. Uh, at least in season two, because I've mentioned it before, but we haven't talked about in the last couple episodes how this season two is really, you know, just like season one, it's incredibly enjoyable to watch. This is a great show. This is probably the greatest thing Star Wars has done since the original series, since the original trilogy. Um, but with that said, um, a lot of episodes in The Mandalorian so far, and certainly in season two up to this point, have really felt like uh, it's kind of the, the 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 video gamification of TV, where um, you know the season may be one long story, but it feels like you know it's like okay, introduce the action, you know, introduce the you know what's going to need to happen in season two in the first episode, and then go on side quest, and then go on different side quest, and then get different side quest, and then go on different side quest, and then maybe get back to the main story. But up to this point. A lot of these episodes of the ice spiders and the and the you know the pirates and meeting uh, the other Mandalorians and stuff. This has all been you know um, the rebel base and the dude who farts out his neck who who uh, is finally funny in my opinion. You know all this stuff. This is all uh, servicing side quests and not really advancing the overall arc of the season. Yeah. Uh, and so we finally gotten back to that point where I you know <clears throat> where they excuse me. Were they padding out season two? Um, you know, because this, this classic, you know, this classic side quest thing has been you've got to go get a piece of the MacGuffin and then get the next piece of the MacGuffin. And then, you know, now the MacGuffin's assembled and now we can kind of get back to the story. So you can almost say that these these uh, episodes between, say, episode one, um, and you could even include episode one of season two. Basically, this is the first really important thing that you must not miss. Um, in the Mandalorian season two, it's interesting that it's coming, um, you know, halfway into the season or more. Um, and, and it doesn't make the writing less enjoyable, but, but it is what it is. My, my analysis is that, uh, you know, this is really the first time, uh, they started trying to drive the story towards the conclusion of the art. And, well, uh, we, I don't know. It, in, in this episode, we, as opposed to the one where we see, uh, Bobo Fett for the first time, this is the first time we see, like a a main character i would call ahsoka a main character to the star wars universe and that's kind of what cements it to me between uh the movies and the tv and the tv and 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 the uh animated series um bringing her in kind of validates it uh to a point uh the next episode where uh, we do have Boba Fett actually speaking and participating, uh, that cements it even more. Why don't we just jump right into that episode? Do it. Okay. Chapter 14, The Tragedy, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. My understanding is that Robert Rodriguez was basically a last minute replacement director um, for this ep particular episode. And I, 
I never did really seek out the details as as to why, but I saw that referenced to more than one. For, uh, from a directorial standpoint, uh, I've always been a little hot and cold on Robert Rodriguez. He has a great energy and spirit, and you know he he does love movies, but at, at times to me it just so feels like he can be a little sloppy. But in this one, I mean, it's just a home run. Yeah. Uh, the Mandalorian takes Grogu to the ancient temple on Tython and places him on the seeing stone at its center. Grogu meditates and is surrounded by a protective energy field. Boba Fett soon arrives with the mercenary Fennec Shand, who the Mandalorian had previously left for dead on Tatooine. Fett explains that the armor worn by Cobb Vanth belongs to him, as his father Jango was a Mandalorian foundling. The Mandalorian agrees to the re- to return the armor in exchange for the safety of Grogu, just as Moff Gideon arrives and deploys stormtroopers. Fett, Fennec, and the Mandalorian repel the stormtroopers' attack, during which time Grogu finishes meditating and the energy field around him disappears. Gideon destroys the Razor Crest from orbit before deploying his droid Dark Troopers, who succeed in capturing Grogu to honor their deal. Fett and Fennec promise to help the Mandalorian get Grogu back. They travel in Fett's ship Slave One to Navarro and ask for Cara Dune's help in breaking criminal Miggs Mayfeld out of Republic New Republic prison. This episode is probably what a lot of fans have been waiting for ever since Return of the Jedi. Yeah, definitely. I mean... When we could talk about it in order, but when they're let's on the, go in order. They're on the planet. Okay, so they're approaching the planet. They land. It happens pretty much right away. He lands on the planet. They have to fly up to the top of the mountain. It's pretty funny because you can hear Grogu kind of going "Yay" or whatever <laughs> in that one Whoa. shot. It's a beautiful scene. Once again, it's just it's these guys doing their job so effortlessly. As as Mandalorian turns around to uh, Grogu and says, "No, it's uh, the the mountaintop is too small. I can't land on it. We're going to have to finish this trip with the windows down." And then they cut to him, you know, flying through the air, holding Grogu. Yeah, <laughs> in a scene straight out of uh, you know the it's the you know. It's the, the Superman Lois scene from uh, you know the first movie. It's just it's just awesome. Yeah, what it's such a great cut. Oh my god! I guess we will get to go right into it, Frank, because he puts Grogu on the seeing stone. He's like, uh, "Okay, what do you see? Do you see anything? What are you supposed to do? Nothing's happening. Is there a button?" And then he hears a noise, and he looks up. And again, this is another example of them just getting right to it, right at the beginning of the episode. We look up and we see Boba Fett's ship. We have absolutely no doubt that this is it's Boba shape, Fett. Man. Yeah, it's I mean, that it's- shape with that elephant snout. And we have absolutely no doubt that this is Boba Fett coming. And by the, he turns around and, and then all of a sudden the force field is up and he tries to grab him and it... it Yoda's meditating, or Grogu is meditating, and he reaches for him, and it bounces him away, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go buy you some time. Yeah, and what the heck is that force field, man? That's the force that doing the its job. Is that, is that, well, but is that something that 
that was seeing a part stone. of that location, or I is think that something so. that Grogu did himself? Or I bet it's a function it? of the seeing stone because the idea was, obviously, with the seeing stone was to communicate with other Jedi throughout the galaxy, right? And you have to concentrate and it is out in the open. Yeah, you have to concentrate uh, so much that they they hardwired this force field into the rock. It's like they know, or it's the force taking care of its own. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna protect you because you're gonna be on the radio with Jedi across the galaxy, and just in case somebody wants to shoot you while you're asleep, I'm gonna put up this uh, force field. I did, uh, uh, I did somewhat relate with the Mandalorian when he was trying to get it to start. That's exactly what I would do. I would start yeah. walking around like, how come it's not working yeah. immediately? <laughs> <laughs> like I would have been like, "Where's a button? Come on, guys!" Um, uh, uh, I related to that scene somewhat because I was just like, "Come on, work!" Din Jaren basically has no patience. I think he wants things to happen like now. Like he needs to chill out just a little bit. And uh, then I, it, remind me. When the Mandalorian can't get through the force field, in my mind, I seem to remember him going, okay, well, in that case, I'm just going to go do this. You stay here. Well, right. Uh, uh, almost like it was part of the plan for him. <laughs> uh, once the Mandalorian realizes he can't get past that force field. At that point, he just, had already seen Boba Fett's ship land. Yeah. Then that's when he went back to try to grab Grogu, and he basically knows he can't get through. And he goes, "All right, you got to hurry up. I'm going to go buy you some time." And he starts heading back down the hill to confront whoever just landed. Right. And yeah. Then, have, how long can we spend in this episode uh, griping that uh, it was just what a what a a, a a slave to the the plot it was that he didn't have his freaking um, backpack on the whole sure. episode. <laughs> and you know what? Because he goes, when we finally see it's Boba Fett, and it's so great to see Tamira Morrison. We'd already seen him once in this episode at the very beginning of season, uh, of, of the very end of uh, episode one of the second season. But right, we see him, we hear the voice, we can see the scars on his face like he had trouble with Sarlacc being digested and, and all that yeah, stuff. all that. And then he goes, I've got my sharpshooter up on the ridge pointed at your little green friend. My little green friend. Uh, he goes, you take off your backpack, then we can talk. So he takes right. it off. Yeah, so that was a plot device, obviously, to keep him away from the mountain long enough for the dark troopers to be able to grab Grogu. Right? Oh yeah, d definitely. I mean, it, it 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 just takes away one of his tools because uh, because I think everyone, you know, had he not uh, uh, the fandom would have just been like, dude, why didn't you just jet over there? But yeah, so uh, they're they're just attempting to quell something that the fandom can't complain about. Boba Fett and Grog and uh, Din Djarin, they talk a little bit. Fennec Shan comes down, and we see her tummy. Has been replaced with <laughs> robot parts. I like that. 
what what a weird type of a uh, uh, it seems like a majority of our torso is hydraulics. Yeah, that's that's strange. And who <coughs> who knew that Boba Fett was such a mechanical engineer? Yeah, yeah, they haven't over explained that bit yet. No. So uh, I guess keep George Lucas away from it. Yeah. Right. It could be midichlorians, but I don't think it is. They're talking, and all of a sudden, here comes a transport with stormtroopers. And at that point, he should have turned around and grabbed the daggum jetpack and put it back on. Exactly. Yes. But he's panicked, and he starts running up the hill. And it's interesting. Um, they uh, uh, they talk about, uh, you're mentioning that uh, Robert Rodriguez was a uh, possible <laughs> fill-in on this show. And this is... This is where Robert Rodriguez's uh, part starts to really reveal uh, uh, itself uh, in, in this story, because apparently the script that he was given was 19 pages long, and apparently Robert Rodriguez says he's a very economic, uh, economical director, and that if he's given a 100-page script, it's going to be a 90-minute movie. He, you can just tell, and he said a 16 or a 19-minute uh, or 19-page script, the way he directs. Was he said he was afraid it was going to turn out to be something on the order of 16 minutes. And so he goes to Favreau and Filoni and says, Do you want to have a 16 minute long episode? And their answer to him is, No, that's why we're bringing you in on this. You know, you, you add in, you know, the action stuff that's going to bump this up to a, uh, 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 an episode of, you know, more traditional length. And by traditional length, uh, this episode is still, you know, what, 33 minutes. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that, you know, we've had episodes which were, you know, 47, 50 minutes. We've had episodes that were barely a half hour. So uh, the idea that, that there's you know, there's never been a set time for these things. But this does clock in as one of the shorter uh, episodes of the uh, of the run. There's and a that's thanks to Robert Rodriguez padding it out to that point. Yeah, there's an interesting thing they did with the plot here that really gives Boba Fett a chance to shine because we've been waiting for so long to see Boba Fett actually do something. So when the, uh, it will literally forever, yeah. we've, we've never seen it because right. even in the original movies, you know, he had literally one line here, one line there, and then he fell into a Sarlacc. Yeah. So, so his, his, <clears throat> his coolness, his genius is, uh, again, it's a creation of the extended universe or fan people exactly. or whatever, but it's not a part, you know, his coolness is not a part of Star Trek canon to this point, unless you want to count, you know, was he in rebels, uh, uh rebels or clone wars? I don't, I don't think, even know. Uh, well, yeah. he was in clone wars as the little kid. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the stormtroopers start to land and instead of grabbing his backpack he starts hiking up the hills and he finally gets to the hill and he tries to grab Grogu and that force field knocks him back super far and it knocks him out so he's out for a few minutes so with no Mandalorian doing anything it's up to Boba Fett to show us how badass he is and so he and Fennec Shand they start taking care of the stormtroopers one by one and this is when we start to see Boba Fett what he can actually do and how much of a warrior he actually is my, uh, I was so happy. Some of those fight scenes had so much energy yeah. that you could almost just feel it. There's a scene where he, where he knocks a stormtrooper in the helmet. Yeah. 
with this baton, and it is so forceful that you just know he is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what kind of uh, what kind of weapon is he using there too? Isn't it a uh, the Tuscan Raider. Isn't it a gaffy oh, yeah. stick? A storm, uh, yes, sand person gaffy stand, stick? It's a sand person's gaff stick, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, Frank, the way he uses it, where he he rakes it across a stormtrooper's helmet and the helmet explodes into constituent parts. That is, happens uh, on more than one occasion where he just demolishes some yeah. armor. Yeah, and it's it's pretty amazing. It it, uh, it does, you know... It brings up the age-old question of what is stormtrooper armor really good for? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Is it, is it good for anything more than just uh, uh, disrupting your uh, peripheral vision? Because I, I can't really tell what else it might be good for. I can't oh, see man, anything but the, inside this helmet. But the first, dude, the first shot of, of seeing Slave One come in and, and uh, hearing I, I it, there, hearing that noise. Oh, yeah, I was sitting there watching the episode with uh, Buddy Mike, and uh, uh, here comes the ship, and I go. Dude, that looks like Slave One, and Mike is like, "Nah," and um, you know, and then we both kind of, we both kind of went gaga goo goo when oh, yeah. uh, it turns out that was him. And you could tell it was because of the way it sounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had that episode two sound to it. You know what I mean? Well, so good. Such and good they've stuff. even gone back in the in the uh, Empire Strikes Back and added that sound in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's some great there's some great they, footage here of of them fighting and and they set up that heavy repeater and they're like tracking Fennec Shand as she's running across the yeah. the rocks. That's so great. I'm glad that they give her something to do yeah. and not just kind of. Uh, I mean, I mean, she she's part of this battle and so uh, she's she's not just a, a, an ancillary character. She's actually participating and she is i guess in, in a sense almost a hero when she pushes that rock over yeah it's oh, a very sure. indiana jones moment when it's rolling down the oh, hill and God. you can see the stormtroopers running away yeah. yeah only it worked out a lot better for indy than it did for uh, those four true. stormtroopers there's that one shot where you see the stormtrooper absolutely get rolled over you're like oh my god yeah. wow <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing that the that that gun was was right in the path of that stone. Very lucky. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's it was uh, very fortunate. But yes. I I, I kind of wish we had, and maybe it's there, and I just didn't hear it. But it would have been nice to kind of hear like like a, hyd- a hydraulic sound because she's she's part cybernetic now. Yeah, I would have liked legs. to have heard a little. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and- Poor Ming-Na Wen. When's the next time she's going to get to star in a uh, uh, some kind of science fiction uh, uh, property without getting turned into a freaking robot at some point? Yeah, because she was uh, she and was Shield. like regrown or something in Agents of Shields as well. Yeah, you know, it's like by the end of, of both of these series, you know, she wasn't uh, really human anymore, at least not in her traditional sense. She's great yeah. um, action oriented yeah, actress she and is. she's really good so she was great in this and we see uh there's a shot of boba fett taking out a stormtrooper and he looks over to his left and he sees a razor crest and you're at this point he realizes my armor is inside that ship so then it cuts away from him another uh transport lands with more stormtroopers and they come out this is when uh this is when uh, Mandalorian decides to head down the hill and they're fighting. And then all of a sudden they're surrounded by stormtroopers and you just know they're going to die. 
he goes, I've seen worse. She goes, this is bad. He's like, I've seen worse. And then from the, from the sky drops this little concussion grenade, and we get the great shot of the stormtrooper like this, and he looks up, and he turns around, and there's Boba Fett in all his glory in his armor. Mm. Just we've been waiting so long to see that. It's so great. And and the armor, uh, we already know this, but it looks like crap. But oh yeah, I mean, it still makes it work. Oh it just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's got the the backpack with the rocket on it, and it mm-hmm. even looks like he's maybe he's always had them, but he's even got like little knee rockets. Yeah, yes, that's pretty cool. It's so great to yeah. actually see Boba Fett fighting in his armor. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot like. Um well, my my favorite thing about the Phantom Menace is that you finally, after you know yeah. a generation, you finally get to see you know these people operating at full power, right? And um, you know, see Jedi's you know at full power you know, in Episode One to see uh, Boba Fett you know truly in action here, and this is just you know just just milestone moments. Um, uh, it, it's so amazing. Uh, yeah, we live in a world where I would be. I, I, if you told me that there was nothing more than uh, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, and um, and the Mandalorian, I'd be like, okay, we're good. Yeah. <clears throat> Once Boba Fett Not shows good. up in his armor, the stormtroopers realize they're outmatched, and they both take off. And we see that shot of him going with his little deal, his little rocket guidance <laughs> system, and he aims at one. You can tell he aims at the one that's closer to the planet, but the rocket actually hits the other one that's farther away. And then Din Jaren says, nice shot. He's like, I was aiming for the other one. Yeah, I actually rewound yeah. to make sure that was the case. It is. Right. It's totally. Yeah. yeah, it's totally. You can tell which one he's aiming at. It's the one that's closer to him. But it ends well, up it hitting. A nice little mode of serendipity, too, because if he had hit the bottom one, the top one probably would have gotten away. Yeah. But he hits, oh, yeah. He hits, he hits the one above, well, and he's it falls a- back into the 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 uh the the southernmost one yeah. and takes out both ships in one shot he's out of practice though you know yeah he probably yeah, would have we'll realized that. that and as soon yes. as both of those ships explode out of the sky comes this red bolt aimed directly at the razor crest uh, boom the razor crest just explodes and is gone well, that was and, a fixture of the show and it's gone oh well, and what's a What's amazing is, I don't know about you guys, but as I'm watching the episode uh, titled The Tragedy, the entire way through you're going, oh my God, something's going to happen to Grogu or something's going to, you know, something something on like a Shakespearean level is going to happen here. Yeah. And it turns out that the tragedy is the freaking Razor Crest uh, getting blown to kingdom come. Until and, Grogu uh, gets kidnapped. Well, I mean, I guess that could be the tragedy too. <laughs> to me, to me, it was the—I I think it was the Razor Crest. Agreed, hundred percent. You because know, that ship. If was I'm awesome. Boba Fett, it's like no, that's—I'm not okay with that. I can get the, Grogu back, but there's only one Razor Crest. That ship is yeah, awesome. Yeah, the Razor Crest. That—that uh, that was that was a little hard to see because uh, we have grown to love that ship. And uh, can I? Um, yeah, agreed. Can I go on a thirty-second tangent, just real quick? I promise. Over Christmas, when I was off work for two weeks, I started playing Fortnite. You know what Fortnite is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I eventually acquired the Mandalorian skin. 
And so I look like the Mandalorian as I'm running around the island shooting people. <laughs> and at the beginning of each game, you're on the party bus, which is flying right. across the island. Then you dive off. And then you skydive until it's time to bring out your glider and glide down to place. My glider yes. is the Razor Crest. <gasps> no way. Yeah, oh, it's, nice. it's a little miniature Razor Crest that he's hanging on, <laughs> that I'm hanging on as the, as the Mandalorian as I fall to the earth. Or to the Fantastic. island. Anyway, yeah, it's cool. How so, are you at how how are you at Fortnite? I'm 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 getting pretty good, <laughs> and I'm learning how it's, to build. In fact, there's yeah, a building is what, what there's turned a, me off. There's a creative uh, side, a creative right. mode in Fortnite yes. where you can you have your own island that you just you have to learn these things because there's really unless you've got a a young family member that can show you what to do. You kind of have to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I've been on my island learning how to build, practicing building. In fact, I actually recreated the Hearst Conference Center on my island. So I've learned <laughs> it's 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 to scale and it's accurate. It's pretty amazing. So anyway, oh, yeah. so we see the Razor Crest get blown to smithereens and they look up, Boba Fett looks up with his, or maybe it's the Mandalorian, I forget which one, looks up and sees... Uh, the uh, oh, it is the Mandalorian because as soon as the Razor Crest gets blown up, Fennec Shan looks at Boba Fett and she goes, "You better get to your ship. Like <laughs> your ship's probably next if you don't get to it real soon." But uh, <laughs> and so they see the Empire. Boba Fett uh, goes up and takes off and sees uh, you know. The, then the Dark Troopers show up, and they're so excited because the Dark Troopers here and they go kidnap Grogu. Before the, I guess that's a tragedy too. Yeah. They should. This episode should have been titled "The Two Tragedies." Yeah, right. And then Boba Fett's like, "Okay, I won't shoot him out of the sky because we want to keep the kid alive." And he goes, "I'm just going to follow him." And that's when he sees the ship, and he says, "They're back, the Empire. They're back." And then he comes Yuck. back down to the ground, and and. Din Djarin is sorting through the wreckage, and the only thing he finds is the spear of Beskar that he got in the previous episode. Oh, and the and, ball. And, and, and the, the ball. And the little ball that the, the handle of his lever, shift lever, his shifter, that, right. uh, um, that Grogu likes so much. Yep. That, uh, um, that part, I, I had to, uh, I'm glad that the Beskar bar uh, still survived. Yeah. I did a, a roll my eyes a little bit. It's like, oh, that's convenient. That little uh, knob didn't go flying off. You know, it it just landed right there. Uh, but that's fine. And then this is when Django, no, Boba Fett shows proof that he is the son of Django Fett, who was a foundling, and therefore he has the right to this armor. And so he and he and Din Jaren are now they're even Stevens. Yeah. And he says, No, we're not. We promised you we would keep the child safe. So we're in your debt until the child is safe. Which surprised me and made me happy because uh um you know, I really thought that was gonna be the end of, of Boba Fett. I thought he was gonna go off and You know, we've always thought so. of Boba Fett as a bad guy. Yeah. You know, but really, he's just loyal to his word. He serves himself, and he's loyal to his word and the contracts that he takes out. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously Boba Fett had a contract with him or had him on retainer or whatever in episode six. Right. And then now he's made a deal with the Mandalorian. And he's like, nope, we're going to play this out. I'm going to live up to my word. So that's cool. Yeah, he is a yeah, he is a good dude. You want him on your side. I've always I thought mean, of Boba Fett as while he's awesome that he was a bad guy, but I don't right. think he's a bad guy. No, definitely, definitely in this one it, it changes because it, it was always like he, he's a bad guy in the sense that that he he will he will take the the highest offer to to perform the task. So he's not loyal to the rebels. He's not loyal to the empire. It's just like if you pay me more, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, and he's also. He's also, I'd say being swallowed by a Sarlacc, um, might change your perspective on things too. Yep. Um, but, uh, he is, um, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just a guy who is there to get the job done. And, uh, like any good mercenary, um, he's, you know, not, he's not so much worried about the ethical implications of blank. He's there to do that job. So, I mean, the man's chaotic neutral. (laughs) The Mandalorian is a, bounty hunter a member of the bounty hunters guild but he's a good guy so well he yeah uh, yeah, he's a good guy in that uh um he sees a child in danger and wants to protect it i mean it uh of course we wouldn't have a story but had he not had a softer side for uh grogu uh, we would have had a story yeah i think it's i think it's fair to say that grogu has actually made him a better person yeah yeah Oh, so, there's no doubt. Yeah. So then uh, uh, Mandalorian realizes he needs more help. He goes back to Navarro to see Cara Dune and says, hey, I need you to break somebody out of prison. Turns out it's the old uh, guy that he put in prison, Bill Burr's character from season one. So we get to see yes. Megs Mayfield again. And I loved Bill Burr's character from season one, so we'll end up getting to see him next episode. Jeez. And then I'm we see, watching, we see, uh, sorry, I'm sitting here watching the, the uh, dark troop, the dark uh, stormtroopers uh, sweep down yeah. to the planet. That's pretty unnerving. And we see Cara Dune, <coughs> sorry, trying to, you know, be the good person. And it's like, hey, I, you know, I don't like the guy, but I can't break the rules for just for you. I'm a, you know, these stripes mean something. And he's like, dude, they've got the kid. And she's like, sign me up. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool um, to uh, to find a uh, to find your family, yeah. you know, along the way. Part of the uh, part of the journey, I'm guessing. And then, of course, the end of this episode is a wonderful scene <laughs> where we go up to Moff Gideon's ship, and he's walking down the hall. As he approaches the room, you can hear noises coming from inside the room, some scuffling and banging. He opens yeah. the window, and Grogu is having his way with these two stormtroopers there. He's just throwing them around using the force, throwing them up against the wall against each other. So great. And Mark Gideon looks to he, he walks in. Yeah. He's, he's got a little grin on his face. Like, all right. All right. Oh, Moff Gideon loves it. Yeah. He loves seeing Grogu explore the, the so-called dark side of the force, I guess, you know, he, he wants to see uh, Grogu using the force to hurt uh, people, uh, 
you know, if if his uh, if his aim is to turn young Grogu into a, a Sith or something, that's a you know that's a decent start. I I did like how uh, Grogu got tuckered out. You know, he yes. has done he all that. Yeah, he, gets, he gets so little tired. He's, he's just goes, little it's a lot of effort, and he's kind of little, <laughs> and yeah. just kind of makes him tired. And, because it you know. makes you oh so sleepy. It does. It does. The poor kid was sleepy. And you can hear him. He's breathing heavy. He's like, <sighs> yeah. You're a mean man, me. Here. His, his, little, his little baby Grogu breaths. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. The stormtrooper stuns him. And it's cool. The yeah. stun, the little well, stun ray looks just like the stun ray that they used in episode four when they, when they stunned Leia at the, in, yes. at the, oh, in yes. the very beginning. It's the just those. Those concentric rings. circles, yeah. Yeah. And what and what's up with the little tiny cuffs? You know, I looked at those cuffs. <laughs> I looked at those cuffs. His hand could slip right out. <laughs> uh, how often? I mean, I know there's various sizes. Are of they self-adjusting the cuffs? Universe. They've got I mean, to be self-size be. adjusting cuffs, right? And they have to be. Uh, 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 they have to uh, neutralize the force in some way. Yeah, they right. probably have that uh, DNA from that lizard that uh, Marf, uh, that um, uh, the blue guy uh, t- uh, Thrawn. Remember yeah. in, in the first in the first oh, series, yeah, Thrawn the, had the, that that the, lizard on his shoulder that neutralized the force. The Salamiri yeah. created a mm. force level. These are like the meta dampening cuffs from the Flash. Yeah, right. Or any other science fiction property ever. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. These are the power dampening cuffs. Oh, okay. Oh, the power dampening cuffs. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, super, Superman is the strongest superhero in the world, but you put these meta dampening cap, cuffs on him. I think they used them a lot in uh, Justice Unlimited. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, just a way to ju- just a way to write yourself out to protect yourself. There's always something. Yep. Yeah. Complete aside, uh, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Justice League. And a couple other properties have uh, migrated their way over to HBO Max. So it looks like uh, a lot of that content that, that was on DC Universe that we were afraid was going to go bye-bye is just being remastered and, uh, and uh, ported over to HBO Max as they, uh, as they clean them up and get them ready for prime time. Oh, Brad, Babylon 5 uh, has been remastered and is on HBO Max. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I, yes. I recently... Uh, finished last year um early last year i finished my rewatch of seasons one through four and i had started season five and then got distracted by something else so maybe i'll finish season five on hbo max and and watch the uh, the remaster that'll be awesome interesting yeah the uh, the remasters are extremely clean and they are literally remastered i mean they go back and uh, they scan they even... the negatives in, into 4k yes yeah and uh, they they even do a little bit of help in post because there are scenes that were originally shot kind of dark. They kind of pop a little bit now. Nice. Um, but uh, they have left them uh, in four by three, uh, which is interesting because even though they were shot on films, they were shot sixteen by nine. They were originally presented in four by three, and That's so I don't know the if the graphics, those, the the special yeah. effects were all done four by three. Exactly. And, I don't and, know if that's. The 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 uh, next generation excuse of well we did the graphics and video on four by three and we, it doesn't matter when we shut the show in the graphics have to match and you know 
I'm I'm fine with with them keeping it four by three. I mean, that's how sure. it was originally yeah. made, so that's sure. uh, uh, that's fine. Yeah, nobody needs to see a C stand or jeans guy off in the edge of the frame just well, because it's sixteen by nine. The only problem with uh, when Amazon Prime had it and they showed it, uh, they stretched it or they cropped yeah. it to be sixteen nine. So what that meant yeah. is that there were some things that you would see on a four by three ratio that you didn't get to see in the Amazon Prime version. Right, Disney yes. had Disney Plus did the same thing with the uh, with the Simpsons. Uh, the early seasons and a lot of jokes, visual gags got Didn't cut Didn't they end out. up changing that? Yeah. In fact, yeah. that's how, when I had it, uh, that's how I ended up. You have yeah. to dig in the menus, but there's a way to watch it in 4.3. And yeah. that's just how it was. You know, it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the tragedy. And the tragedy is that this episode of Half Hour Wasted is coming to a close. Uh, well, we, we need to mention the black global. saber. We see the black saber. Oh yeah, in this one too. he's got the dark saber, and uh, you know he taunts Grogu with it. Um, yeah, so I look forward to to seeing more, obviously. And uh, we still have we still have two episodes to talk about of of, of season two of the Mandalorian. And we'll get to those uh, in another upcoming episode. Probably the next episode that you hear. Last yeah. um, episode at the end, I introduced a new segment called uh, Google Headlines from Brad's phone. Right. And the way I think this, it went over well. The way it what works kind of is uh, not a lot. The way it works is I read a headline, no discussion, end of segment. Boom. But we need the we need the ticker, the noise. I'll do that. Ready? Dolly Parton's 2021 Super Bowl commercial is playing a rich man's game. You've been listening to a half hour wasted. I wasn't even a headline. Of the HWLOD Podcast Network. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at halfhourwasted. Leave us or any of the HHWLOD shows a voicemail at. 469-298-9739 or a super easy way to remember that is go wax type 9 until next week i'm frank i'm brad i'm still confused and we'll see you next time on the half hour wasted podcast